Hi, this is Lexi Alexander, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and in this episode, we are bringing you a special interview with Lexi Alexander, the director of the upcoming episode of Supergirl airing on February 22nd called Truth, Justice, and the American Way. And we had such a fun time talking to Lexi. Great interview. She had a a lot of awesome things to say, and I think you guys are going to like it. So much insight into what the set is like, uh, you know, what what the experience was. And she gave us a couple of tidbits about uh, what we could expect from the episode. So (laughs) A little tease here and there. And um, it was fun to hear her talk about her experience shooting the episode and her experience with Melissa Benoist and all of the other cast members. And um, so I think this is going to be a, a real fun listen. This is Lexi Alexander, who's going to be directing next week's episode of Supergirl on CBS. And for those of our listeners who aren't as familiar with your work, um, we want to kind of get into uh, you as a director first. Um, so when did you kind of first become interested in directing and, and what kind of shaped your decision to go into this crazy line of work? Um, I was uh, I was a martial artist and um, a competitive martial artist, so I won a lot of tournaments and traveled with a fighting team. And um, I won a championship in Atlantic City. It was a world championship, and um, a bunch of like famous martial artists sponsored my green card to come here. One of them was Chuck Norris, for example, and a oh, few wow. others. <laughs> yeah, and um, the idea was I mean they did that for a bunch of people. But back in the day, there was still like a scene for martial artists that can't or don't want to compete anymore. They, they would usually go into kind of like uh, the world of like martial arts acting kind of a thing, you know, some part of Hollywood. Some would be stunt coordinators, stunt people. Um, but with me, everybody thought I would like to be like the female Jean-Claude Van Damme. And... Um, <laughs> I did. I took his offer and, you know, uh, came to America, started working in Hollywood, actually even went to like a very kind of strict drama school. It was called the Joanne Barron D.W. Brown Studio of Dramatic Arts. It was very strict two year program. You would learn like Meissner and Stanislavski. So proper, proper drama school. Um, It's just that I hated acting. I do not (laughs) like being in front of the camera at all. Um, But I quickly knew that I would like to be a director. Like when there was odd people in class, you know, somebody would direct a scene and it it was just like a light bulb went off. Like that's what I want to do. But 
I couldn't figure out how because film schools were too expensive. I don't really come from a family with money, so there was no going to USC or AFI or anything fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was already in this school, so I figured I, I finished this and then go in to do, do some stunt work to actually earn a living and figure out how I can become a director from there. And so that's what I did. I was a stunt woman for quite a while, mainly focused on fighting. And um, I then, you know, basically raised enough money to do a short film, which um, was called Johnny Flinton, and that was nominated for an Oscar, and that kind of started my uh, directing career. No big deal, just an Oscar, (laughs) whatever. Well, I'm curious about your fight knowledge and your training. Does does that impact how you go about directing? Does that impact how you set up a scene or set up a, a choreographed fight? Yeah, we're very much on on this show. Um, not so much on on other shows. Uh, you know, here's the deal. I'm very good at this. This is like what my speciality is. I've been fighting for so long, um, competitive as well as you know, professionally as well as as a stunt woman. And I choreograph fights. Most of my movies feature heavy fighting. That that's kind of what people call me for but sometimes the show doesn't really allow for the director to have too much input in fighting but that wasn't the case on Supergirl like the showrunner Andrew Kreisberg specifically wanted me to come and kind of put my put my mark on on their fighting style because you know Supergirl is about uh, you know a strong woman a strong young woman and um the season had just, I mean, the show had just started. So they were still basically establishing, you know, what does she do? Does she rely on her superpowers mostly? Can she also fight grounded? And uh, he really gave me the freedom to have, you know, full input on it more than I ever had. Um, And so we did, we kind of created, I think, like the next step of her fighting style. Oh, wow. Well, in terms of Supergirl, when you came onto the show, what was your knowledge about the character? Did you know a lot about her before you signed on to direct the episode? Supergirl is not uh, a comic book that I read myself as a, I mean, this is not a necessarily a, a character that I picked up. I obviously knew her, you know, because I mean, who, who doesn't know Superman and Supergirl? And I remember, you know, I remember the images of the old film that, that existed. Um, so I, I wasn't like super familiar with, with, um, you know, how the character had progressed in terms of comic book publishing, but, you know, like every other woman, I was glad that we finally had one, one female superhero on, on primetime TV. I mean, my God, there's so many of them now, (laughs) you know, so it was nice. I mean, and also like one show that is really where she's not part of a team, but this is her show, you know? Yeah. It's like, you don't, you don't have to have read her before to kind of be excited that like she's there for in, in the mainstream for kind of, uh, because, you know, CBS is a huge network. It's one thing if, like, Jessica Jones is on Netflix, which is a subscription service. But here we have Supergirl on a major network for all to see. 
Right, exactly. That was even the best part about it was that it really was, this is what we call primetime network, which means it will hit millions of homes. And that's nice because, you know, most people who talk to me about Supergirl are, you know, fathers and mothers who say, oh, finally, my daughter, you know, has a show to watch. And so I think it was long overdue, you know. Now, and uh, and so you, you mentioned that uh, Andrew Kreisberg kind of came to you specifically wanting uh, your fighting expertise, among other, thi- among other things, your directorial expertise as well. How did that conversation start? How did you get involved with this production? You know, I learned later after I had already met most of the people in this camp that uh, Craig Berlanti is really the one who, who has basically uh, told all of his showrunners that he does not want to be a production company that doesn't have, that doesn't hire women and people of color. Like he wants to be more active in in recruiting diversity talent. So that that mm. was pretty cool to hear that that's so important to him. And Andrew is the one who was a fan of my film Punisher Warzone. So he is the first one who called me, tracked me down, <laughs> as, he did, as he did with many other, like Rachel Talalay, he tracked her down from Doctor Who to put her mm. on The Flash and uh, Legends. So with me, he called me and they put me on Arrow first. Um, and then right after Arrow aired, I actually did this little joke with him because Arrow aired and I think it was the day after the premiere of Supergirl as far as I remember. Why? Mm. Uh, maybe one of the episodes that I had just seen the day before but I remember watching Supergirl from day one and always live tweeting with everybody because it, <laughs> it's just obviously a big deal for, for us as women in the industry and that's besides the directing job but then Arrow aired and Andrew really really liked my episode and I think he made a little joke about we have to have you back on Arrow. And I te- I I tweeted a picture back to him and said, well, but in case you need me for something else. And I tweeted a picture of Supergirl at him. <laughs> and sure enough, the next day he he called my agents and hired me for Supergirl. So that was pretty neat. That's that, awesome. That, that is <laughs> awesome. It, it's good that you can put something out there and sometimes it will happen. Um, as a director, what what... Where do you start when you get that call, when you get the invite to come and direct an episode? Where do you start once you've been given that script? Well, you don't get it right when you get the call. The scripts in TV come in fairly late. Um, the good news is with with Supergirl, um, I had already I was up to date with all the episodes. I did not need to watch any, you know, like sometimes when I get hired on a show that has four seasons in and I haven't watched the show, I now have thirty eight episodes to catch up on, and I would never be caught not doing that because that's just bad form. Like I will always, you know, do my due diligence. But with this show. I had already watched it so I was just you know excited to kind of get whenever they had the script ready which which on Supergirl was you know well enough time before my episode uh, started I mean a few days which is actually much better than some other shows are to be honest and um, and then I go from there I read the script I was I was obviously they're very careful about what they reveal like it's not like I get the three other scripts from the next episodes to see you know what everybody turns into and how the story develops <laughs> yeah. for you so you know people have been asking me today about Silver Bungie and I'm like I know less than you know like <laughs> I know what happened in my episode but other than that they are 
they are so secretive, it's unheard of, right? So I can only say what, uh, you know, I looked at my episode, figured out what's going on, and instantly I start... Um, you know, I start pulling up visual um, references. Um, you know, I, um, you know, for the fight scene, I obviously started thinking about what could be done here. So I, I prepare in my mind, and then there's a lot of listening to, you know, the production meeting and all kinds of meetings that basically are meant for the director to get an idea of what has already been established. So, are you meeting with editors and producers and? The writers, all, all while you're you're going through this process and kind of, uh, do they have a say in what the tone should be? And are you constantly collaborating with them? Yeah, actually, the showrunner has a say in what the tone will be. Um, and so it, it very much comes from the writer's room and the writer's room and, and you know, the create like, you know, the, the voice of Craig Berlandi and Ali Adler and and the writers' room is Andrew, and so Andrew Kreisberg comes in the room and he will have a production meeting with you or a tone meeting, and and this is all while you location scouting and meeting with stunts and looking at cars that the show needs and looking at actors. So you're doing all your prep work, but you have all these meetings of people who are there to tell you what they expect what has already been set as a tone that they don't want to change, what they would like that you would add to to the show. So it, it's an interesting process um, because, you know, you... You know, you you were there because you are voice and because they need your voice to elevate the episode. But you also have to stay within. You can't just I can't just go and say, let's do it all dark and, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, they have to make sure that you stand also that you keep up with the tone and environment that has been set because you can't in TV just make your own individual show. And so, you know, so you have to do a lot of listening. I, I wrote a lot of notes. Most of the conversations and meetings I taped on my phone just so I could hear them over and over again. Huh. And once you're familiar with what people actually expect from you um, and what you cannot change, like it's more like do you, it's more like learning the rules. Like these are the rules. This is what they're very picky about. This is a world they don't want to change. You know, these rules you cannot break. So once you're familiar with the rules, then you start figuring out now beyond these rules, what can I bring to it? And this was particularly great on Supergirl because I really did believe uh, Andrew when he said that, you know, I, I was hired because, you know, I'm known as a former fighting champion and a former stunt woman and kind of superhero action is my thing. So for them to bring me on and say, we're really excited about this because this is like, uh, you know, our next step into the evolution of Supergirl in terms of her fighting style and just in her whole superhero being, uh, we really want you to add to it. Normally, I don't get that kind of trust and freedom and, you know, support. And this was that's why I, I would consider this the best experience I've had in my career so far. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's better than even my own movies that I did. It, it really <laughs> was that amazing. That's awesome. Oh, wow. That's really cool. And it's good to hear that uh, that the folks at Berlin Anti Productions are, are that open to giving you that kind of free reign to, to, to do what you're good at. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I mean, I can only talk about my particular case, but I don't think I'm an exception. I think that they recognize who is good at certain things, 
And I think they are smart enough to know that when you hire somebody talented and you're paying them for that talent, you may as well use that talent and encourage them to use it rather than telling them no and like, you know, basically fencing them in and not allowing them to, you know, contribute. <clears throat> so I think, to be honest, it's not really as nice of them as much as is it as it's genius. I mean, yeah, it's smart. I mean, it's a smart move. Yeah, it is because, you know, that's what I would do. I mean, if I hire a crew for a movie, obviously I'm going to hire the best people I can get. And then why would I not let them bring the best to the table? Well, I mean, speaking of, of what you brought to the table, like, uh, as a female director, as a director of color, uh, as a director who has this fighting expertise, um, what do you think was the most important thing that you, with your perspective and experience, brought to the series and brought to this episode? Well, I think that I, they would probably all say, and I'm assuming it's the same, that we really did take the fighting to another level. Um, and that had to do with the fact that, you know, they've, they've, I've only done, you know, my episode is episode 14. And so we're not in this show. We haven't been in the show for very long. She's just become Supergirl. She's just started training fighting. She's just getting used to her, you know, superpowers. I mean, we're at the point where she is now confident in it. But what uh, what is the next step for her? Because, you know, I mean, I'm sure you guys know the comic books much better than me. You know, there'll be situations where somebody will do something where she loses her power. And, mm -hmm. you know, evolution of skills, like if somebody's that badass, you know, they usually tend to become badass beyond their superpowers. And because that's actually the arc all of those superheroes should take, that they're not always dependent on it. Now, while that hasn't happened necessarily in my episode when she was fighting, but there was a discussion of like, okay, most of the fights have so far pretty much relied on, on one of her superpowers, super strength, super speed, eye laser, all of that stuff. And so... Um, you know, can we give her a little bit more that is grounded, that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with super strengths? And so I was allowed to add that. And um, Andrew Kreisberg later told me that I've elevated the, the the fighting style that they will go with from now on and basically take my fight as a base from where they go from here. So that was a huge compliment. Wow. That's, wow. that's really awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing the fighting now. So I'm getting goosebumps about, yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because he's been tweeting so much about this fight and I'm nervous because he tweets so much about it because I'm thinking, well, people might like expect this 10 minute still a very short like there's actually a couple in there but the one he's talking about is in my eyes actually not that long and I'm hoping like people are not let down by it um, <laughs> I think the fans will understand that something has shifted oh okay well we'll have to look out for that yeah. um in in terms of you you've been talking a lot about Supergirl and, and her as a character and how far she's come so what was it like to actually work with Melissa Benoist it, it must be really fun to go to the set and see her in the costume and all of that so what was it like to work with her and kind of help develop the character 
boy, I cannot probably put it into words how much I love that girl. She is just the best. I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm not one of those directors who will tell you somebody is an amazing, nice person when they aren't. I usually find words around it, but she really, <laughs> truly is the most amazing person on the planet. And, you know, I, I see myself a lot of her, like when I was younger, like she gets, the only time you will ever see her mad at anything is when she gets mad at herself because she's she can't get the fight choreography as quickly as she thinks she should get it or she's done it wrong once. And, you know, meantime, she has no time to rehearse because she literally gets pushed from one set to the other, sometimes with simultaneously shooting episodes. That girl hasn't had a minute off since that show started and she never gets tired. She never complains. She only gets mad at herself. She's lovely even when you work with her 16 hours until like 5 a.m. in the morning. So, I, I mean, she's like truly a kindred spirit to me. And boy, I just hope only the good for her. You know, she's just real. She is like Supergirl. That's the thing. Like she has that kind of soul, that kind soul who, you know, can be tough, but who always will do the right thing. I, I don't think they could have found a better actress ever in the world than this girl. Oh, my gosh. It's it, it's I, I'm, I'm like all like ah because it's 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 cool to know that the people that we see portraying some of our favorite characters you know actually are you know as as amazing as they appear to be because sometimes that's not the case. That is true. Sometimes that's not the case. Now getting into the the episode specifically, um, the episode introduces uh, Siobhan Smythe, um, aka Silver Banshee, and also the character of Master Jailer. Um, now, without spoilers, obviously, uh, how did you approach um, their introduction and how they were portrayed? I was focused more on Master Chela because he is really, see, uh, Siobhan will reoccur and, uh, you know, she she has an arc that is much bigger than my episode. Gotcha. Um, we will just get to know her in my episode. Now, that's another, Italia is amazing because she actually, you know, the, the her first encounters is, is written in a kind of comedic way um, with Kara and you know, I'm, I wouldn't say, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm now trained. I mean, I'm, a, I trained so much in drama that I know how to work with actors in all genres, but comedy is not the thing people hire me for, you know? <laughs> um, so I, she actually, thank God to her, she now has made me look good, um, as I could <laughs> literally sell myself as a comedy director now she, because she is genius. Um, and it's not like like silly comedy. She just has a very, she's very skilled actress and they play off so well of each other, um, Melissa and Italia. So, but with in my episode, there's no talk of Silver Banshee. Like, I'm not even supposed to know that. I'm, I mean, I know that because I know the comic book character, but you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't, right, right. Yeah. That doesn't come up. So, my my... My focus was on the Master Chela, who is the main antagonist of this episode, in terms of, like, you know, who is the villain. So I wasn't even concerned with Silver Banshee being a villain, because to me she wasn't. I had to look at her as, you know, another another young girl in the universe of Kara. Well, and in terms of Master Jailer, did you do any kind of background research into his comic book origin or did you just simply go off the page that you were given 
I did. I looked him up and I'll tell you why, because, <laughs> you know, um, once Andrew kind of gave me the freedom to like contribute as much as possible to to the fight scene, you know, you don't have to tell me that twice because now I'm starting to rewrite everything. Like, I'm like, <laughs> why is he using this and why is doing this? And so I actually looked him up because I wanted to specifically know what are his weapons, what he's, what is he established with, what is his legacy. And so, you know, it was actually much like, I mean, Andrew is kind of a savant genius with that stuff. He know, obviously, I, you know, I should have known that it was exactly what's in the comic book <laughs> and just, just written even better. But um, what was interesting is when I did look it up, I kind of also learned what his legacy is and what the mythology and what people like his reputation. And so oddly, while looking him up didn't change much um, about what I changed about the fight scene, but what it did change is one specific location that I can't give away. But uh, the location that was originally designed um, for where he spends a lot of time, I'm trying to be very careful not giving it. <laughs> um, I, I had that entire design changed based on, you know, what I had now read about him is his legacy. Well, that's really cool. Well, um, and it's good to know that you as a director kind of care about that stuff just as much as we might kind of go into it and look it up for ourselves as, as viewers, <laughs> as, as podcasters, you know, we try, we try to make sure that we know that history and that, uh, that origin so that we can kind of talk about it on the podcast. So it's, it's nice to know that people associated with the show do care about that kind of thing, because that's the kind of thing I think viewers also care about. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be caught dead not knowing the stuff because I know <laughs> you guys are tweeting stuff at me. And <laughs> I, I've, you know, having done a superhero uh, movie before, I know exactly how this works. But also, you know, even if that wouldn't be the case, like, I think you just have to be prepared. I mean, you know, these guys, like, especially the writers, you know, Craig Berlandi and, and Andrew, they know this world so well that you, you just, like, would embarrass yourself if you would bring something up that would just be, like, you know, if I would say, hey, why didn't he, why doesn't he, you know, do his superpowers on rollerblades? Like, I can't throw something out there that is, like, insane for, <laughs> Although you know, like... Hilarious. Yeah, but, you know, in a normal world, if this wasn't be based on anything, if this would just be a made-up superhero, you can't throw things out. But you, you, you need to know what you can suggest or not in terms of changing fighting uh, styles or weapons or anything where you don't embarrass yourself. Because God knows, I don't want any of these mega, you know, comic book fans, you know, looking at me like, what is she talking about, you know? <laughs> Geeks can be dangerous. <laughs> and these showrunners are all super geeks, so I got to be extra careful, you know? <laughs> well, you know, talking about the world of the, uh, the Berlanti shows, um, because obviously they have – it just seems to get bigger and bigger every time I turn around. <laughs> um, mm. you've, you've directed, you know, an episode of Arrow. Um, they apparently want you back for that. You've, you're directing Supergirl. Was there any uh, cohesion between the shows that they asked you to keep in mind? Um, obviously, they're on two separate networks, but was there anything that they asked you to kind of reference or, or keep in mind from, from Arrow or from the other shows while you were directing this? I don't think so. Um, no, not on this. I'm interested to actually hear if that would be the case between like Flash, Arrow, and Legends because they seem to be somehow or maybe i'm just thinking that because they all shot in the same location but it's supergirl seems to be yeah i it, i certainly not with me nothing was brought up to keep that in mind in the world 
that doesn't mean that Andrew doesn't have that in his in his brilliant mind of like where he keeps the entire you know DC universe set. Like I'm sure I'm sure he doesn't automatically not make a mistake. But nobody said to me keep this in mind because this relates to such and such. I when I directed, I had no idea there would be a Flash Supergirl crossover. Um, wow. So there wasn't anything that um, that that. And you know the difference is that Supergirl really in terms of tone and look. You know, you would never shoot Arrow in his costume during daylight, um, but you you certainly will have Supergirl and uh, you know Ascara and as Supergirl, you ha- you have a lot of daylight. It's just generally a, a lighter show. You mentioned the Flash Supergirl crossover. Are you as excited about it as we are? <laughs> I'm excited because I think it brings more people over to Supergirl. I mean, I'm I wasn't like, oh my god, thank God this is happening. No, <laughs> like that. That's um, uh, sorry. I mean, I, and I'm also not not excited. But no, I didn't have a certain investment of, you know, of um, of of like making them cross over. But what I do like about it is is that I feel like I feel Supergirl is such a great show. Um, that I feel we could still, we maybe haven't convinced everybody that they should check it out. And I feel that hopefully, hopefully maybe, you know, I just heard about a couple of kids who started watching Flash because they started watching Supergirl first. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's the other way around and we can get some Flash fans convinced that they should really check out Supergirl. Because we want the show to stay on the air and do well. Oh, yes. definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I think for for me personally, I, I was of two minds about it as well. You know, I, w- I want Supergirl to be a standalone success, but the the nerd, the comic book fan in me also gets really excited about the idea of the Flash and Supergirl kind of occupying this, the same space. And it was kind of a, a question of, well, how are they going to do that? And so I, I think that's still the question up in the air, but it sort of seems like maybe they're going to do different Earths or something like that. So I can understand uh, your your different thoughts on that specific part of it. Well, I don't, to be very honest, I don't have the comic book nerd reaction to like two of my superheroes cross, star crossed somewhere. Like, I don't, I, this is just, I would have that about probably other things, probably more like martial arts legends. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't get that with, uh, with, you know, the whole day people have asked me if I'm super excited that the Punisher will show up in the Daredevil. And I'm like, nah. You know, I I just don't, I'm so, I hate to disappoint people, but I don't get that, that, uh, you know, crossover excitement uh, so much that that's just, I've never been such a super, super fan of these characters, you know, other characters, but yeah. So I, I think that I just look at her as like, you know, how can she have the best show? Now, by the way, that universe has a lot of other amazing characters. There's certainly areas where I think, whoa, what if this happens and this person shows up? Like, you know, and by the way, I can't name any of this because who knows it'll happen. <laughs> then somebody will fire me. Yeah, no, but it, no, I understand what you're saying that like there, you know, um, actually, I'm, I'm curious about that because we've talked a lot about Supergirl, but um you know, were there any of the other supporting characters that you enjoyed working with or or that, you know, other than Siobhan, obviously, and Master Jailer, um, any of the main cast that you uh, that you got well, to? Obviously, to- I love David Harewood Martian's manners because, I mean, I 
It's another one of those. I mean, I, the whole cast, I mean, this is really unusual for me to rave about a cast like this because usually you have somebody with an attitude, you know, and, and it's like then you don't want to praise one or the other. But I'm telling you, this entire cast is a <laughs> cast of lovely people. Mm-hmm. I mean, David Harewood is just like, I would quit any show if somebody would call me and say, you just need to work with David Harewood now. Like he's amazing. <laughs> And they all get along. And I think that, you know, I'm just even that the the how delighted so many fans were that when it turned out that he was not just uh, the head of the DO, that he was Martian Manners, you know, that, that was amazing. Yeah, they all seem to have a lot of fun on Twitter and Instagram, taking pictures of them on set and, and them together. So they, they look like they have a, a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think that was kind of the neat thing about the Flash crossover as well, that I knew from Melissa that they knew each other from um, Klee. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was really happy, actually, for that purpose, like the fact that she could work with, you know, an actor that she really likes, you know. Well, is there anything you can tease? I know you can't talk a lot about your episode, but is there anything you can, uh, I know you mentioned that that one location that you kind of changed in, in the design, but is there anything you can tease about truth, justice in the American way? Um, well, you know, I, I know that, the, I mean, there was this one comment that Andrew made that I don't think got around a lot, but since he already made it, I think I'm allowed to make it. I think when he was asked during the critic thing, um, what about is, is special about my episode, he said, there's a fight and he said, I'm just going to say chains. So mm. there's a lot of chains involved. Um, and, um, I think that that's pretty much all I can say. But, you know, I have to say this. <laughs> pretty much they, chains. I know. <laughs> you know they, they, they did release quite a bit about this episode um, uh, because we were just shooting as the critic whatever thing was, T- TCA thing going on. So I, I would say, actually, you have more information than about most. When you say chains, I, I think about those images of Superman on covers of comics where he's breaking the chain. So I'm, I'm very curious about that now. Um, in terms of when you shot this episode, is there a specific moment from the set or when you were working on it that you uh, walk away from just like that is your memory of that time when you were working on it? Oh, interesting question. Um, God, there were so many good memories. I mean, you know, to really get along so well with um, with the entire cast is really something special. And by the way, we're still exchanging messages. And I'm not just talking Melissa and I, but like I will out of the blue get a get a message from Peter Facinelli that you know <laughs> it was so great and we miss you here and that and that's just. That's just so so special. So there was really definitely a lot of moments in terms of in terms of directing. Um, I think that um, you know there nobody will notice this probably, but uh, there was a certain moment I caught. Um, it, it was actually a, an additional fight that that uh, Supergirl has. So it's not the big one that I keep talking about, but the, there was an additional fight that kind of follows up. And there is a moment there where I feel that, you know, to me it was the greatest thing to have her go to that place because it felt like a place of strength that 
I feel like I had I hadn't seen in any of the episodes before. Like mm. if I would see this woman's face, I would not mess with her. <laughs> and she's obviously been super strong before, but you know I'm talking about not about a super power, but I'm talking about a facial expression that had she no superpower. If you see that face on a woman, you do not f- with her. <laughs> I should probably not be cursing, but spit <laughs> out. Beep. You know. Yeah, we can bleep. Exactly. And I am curious to see. It's like I do also a lot of visual stuff that I'm pretty sure nobody will notice. I'm curious to see if people notice that I actually try to tell stories uh, with frames and props and how I place actors and what positions. You know, this is something I do because I think it matters. Uh, most audiences will only... Uh, uh, acknowledge it subconsciously they will actually not know that this was purposely framed this way or placed this way but um that doesn't really matter to me i mean if not a single person notices i still know that it added to the tension or it added to the urgency i really like hearing that personally because i'm a i'm a big film nerd um, I, you know, studied some of that stuff in college and I talk about that kind of stuff all the time. So that makes me really excited to see your episode now. See if you can find in, in, um, uh, where, if I, if I, if I worked with negative space somewhere. Oh, that's exciting. Nice. I'll be looking out for that. Ah, cool. I can't oh my- wait. See, I got to follow you guys on uh, on Twitter so I can see what you guys tweet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, totally. we, we, we live tweet the episode every Monday, and uh, we like to put polls up when we live tweet, and listeners will tweet at us, and we'll retweet those. So you, if you follow us, not to pimp our own Twitter, but if you follow us, you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll get to see lots of reactions from everybody. Oh, cool. I'm going to find you guys right now. Will you actually, when we hang up, will you will you send me your Twitter, like yeah, your individual ones as well? Oh, absolutely. Totally. I follow Supergirl Podcast, and then I follow you guys as well, individually. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Okay, great, great, yeah, great. You have to send me all the handles, please. <laughs> <laughs> you, you seem to love Twitter, and I... I uh... <laughs> Fan of Twitter. I'm a big fan of Twitter. I mean, here's the thing: like, um, Twitter really has changed everything for me. It, it works out really well for me. Although I do have like four blocking apps on. Like, I actually, need, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a strange thing. Like, I will make sure that Gamergate and whatever the craziness is doesn't get to me. And sometimes it does a weird thing, like it will block my own brother. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but uh, it does work incredibly well for me. And, um, I mean, it's to the point, to be very honest, it's more like a group of us. Like when I get really busy in work, uh, somebody, one of my friends will jump on and tweet some stuff for me just so that my, my account doesn't completely die. But still, as a movement and as a like connection in social media to find like-minded people and also kind of get the message out about, you know, there are women directors and I want young girls to see that there are women directors. Um, and certainly I'm one of the people who pushes the diversity issue as much as I can. You know, I, for that, it has really worked miracles for us. Well, speaking of which, how can people find you on Twitter and the internet? At Lexi Alex. Well, all of our listeners should go and follow her on Twitter. And um, I, I, I wanted to know, uh, b- bottom line, like when, when you talk about Supergirl, what do you think is most important about the character? I know, I know why Teresa and I kind of love her, but it, it would yeah. be interesting to, to hear from your perspective and working on the show and kind of learning about the character as, as you went on. What, what do you think people should take away from the character of Supergirl? 
Well, I don't know in in the whole legacy of Supergirl what what uh, is the biggest thing. Like, I haven't like read up on that. I can tell you what I got from watching so far, and specifically from my episode where we actually kind of go into a slight ethical or moral dilemma. Um, what I think is the most important thing is that she is ruled by her heart and that she has a very strong moral compass. That's something we talk about a lot on the show is that, you know, she she makes mistakes as everybody does. She's while she's not human, she's only human. Um, <laughs> but she also uh, there's that underlying current of of morality and and she at the very core always chooses the right thing. And um, and sometimes a moral compass, a moral compass also includes the right friends. But, you know, only somebody with the right moral compass will choose the kind of friends who are honest, you know, because I think that's to me. I mean, even in my real life without the superhero world, to me, um, if I don't have friends that ground me, that are honest to me, if I only have, you know, basically people who kiss my butt and don't want to tell me anything that's wrong, that that could bring me into, uh, you know, into onto the wrong path. But, you know, it takes a grounded person and somebody who wants to choose to actually choose the right friends. And I think that's that's part of a great, strong moral compass, because eventually we all make the wrong choice. I think the, the show has done a pretty good job of showing us that through her friendships with James and Wynn and her sister Alex and even with uh, Hank slash Jean, Martian Manhunter. So it's nice to hear um, you speak about that because it, it is something that we've kind of noticed on the show that th- those people will stand up to Kara if she's um, maybe not thinking clearly or maybe not making the best decision. And the cool thing about Supergirl is that she isn't afraid to uh, listen to them and kind of take in their their opinion and their feedback, and it will help her inform her decisions about things. Exactly, exactly. So this is why my, like, the the one sentence that always comes to mind when I think about her is that she's ruled by her heart, and she has a great heart. I'm just thrilled that the show exists, and that... Me too! uh, (laughs) God damn it, I need it to exist forever. This is my favorite show. Both as a and an audience member, and uh, and it's funny because I saw a um, uh, a movie this weekend, and it came with a uh, a new an, the newest trailer for um, Batman v Superman, mm-hmm. and it's the one with uh, Wonder Woman kind of featured in it, and the whole theater was like ah, like the second Gal Gadot <laughs> comes up on screen, everybody was screaming because like we're so starved for that kind of super like female superhero action. Uh, that the second she was she appeared on screen, that was enough to like set everybody on fire. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, I, and uh, God, though, I hope they don't ever come. You know, I'm, everything time I think about that whole thing that there's now a Flash movie and a Flash TV show. Like, I will seriously demonstrate if they're thinking of doing a Supergirl uh, movie as well as next to the show. This kind of bugs me a bit. Or, I mean, would you be happy if they cast Melissa Benoist in the film? Well, yes, then it's a different story. It's a different story, but then we kind of, it's a different thing because it's like, although like really then then also you're just saying, you know, like here we're making a pick up, throwing more money in it. I, I just, 
I, I have troubles with this whole, you know, I, for me, I just don't think the movies are always bad. I feel like we have some great superheroes on TV and they're working really hard and they're good writers. And, um, you know, what, what separates the movies is that they throw money in it. And mm. That can be a good thing, but I'm not sure if it'll always work out, you know? I think that we also need to respect what these guys do on the small screen and do it incredibly well. And you get to develop a character over a longer period of time, so you actually get to that character work that's, that makes them fascinating. Exactly. I mean, I think if they would give Craig, if they would go to Craig Berlandi and say, how about a Supergirl movie that's going to happen, like it's going to play in summer in hiatus and we want you to spend a hundred million dollars on it. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be cool. Get the same writers and here you can like spend some proper money on it. I mean, who would say no to that, you know? Um, but that, that just does never seem to be the case. It seems to be like other people need to be hired and, and God, you know, and just, I know this is get me in trouble again because I always get in trouble on Twitter for saying that but on the flash it kind of really hurts me you know and I'm not even that close to the flash people to be honest but it just bugs me a bit you know well thankfully we have uh we have Supergirl on the small screen and we'll hopefully get to enjoy her for years and years to come I'm like still crossing my fingers for a season two this needs to happen (laughs) yes for sure you mentioned that you know we have all these great tv shows that are on CBS and the CW, but what do you think Supergirl does to set itself apart from all of those shows? What, what do you think makes the CBS Supergirl so special? Hmm. I mean, it all comes right now. Those superhero shows all come from the same kind of uh, writers and uh, from the same camp. I wouldn't necessarily elevate one over the other. You know, I think they all have their strength. I think, you know, what makes uh, that show special is, uh, or I would say different, is that, you know, it's it's kind of what I say, the light, light show. And by light, I don't mean light in tone, but light, like it's got sunshine. She's in the daylight, you know. They're not afraid to show monsters in the daylight. Um, <laughs> And so, and by the way, that's not an easy task because trust me, in the in the night, a lot of these costumes are more forgiving. So it <laughs> takes a lot to make that look good. Um, but uh, you know, they they stuck with what kind of the you know the original tone of of the, this character was and her mythology. And so, I would say that. You know, you know when you're watching Arrow or The Flash or Legends versus when you're watching Supergirl. And I think we need a movie, like, we need a show like that. We need a story like that, too, that's not afraid to go into daylight. I was wondering, because your episode title is called Truth, Justice, and the American Way. And um, I was reading on IMDb, is it correct that you're from Germany? You know, I grew up in uh, Germany, but my dad is from Palestine, so I'm... Um, oh, wow. I'm Arab German. Okay. So I, if this is okay for me to ask, like when, when you read a, a, a title that says Truth, Justice, and the American Way, which is often associated with Superman and, and now with Supergirl, what does that mean to you? Does that have any kind of significance to you in terms of how you want to represent that? 
Well, it reminds me of the time when I had to do my citizen American citizenship t- test, where we actually have to learn all the silliness about the American way that most Americans don't even know. And <laughs> Um, so, I mean, look, I laughed. I think everybody's laughing because even though I am an American citizen now, I'm not, you know, obviously I have an accent. I speak multiple languages, none of them <clears throat> really well. Um, so I, I think everybody kind of laughed when they saw this title in me. But I also think a friend of mine tweeted something interesting. He tweeted a photo of uh, that. Uh, he retweeted it <coughs> when uh, a photo of me and Melissa that I had tweeted, where we're kind of like doing a raised fist thing. And what I didn't catch on, what he caught on, was like he wrote, "This is an Arab woman, you know, wearing a kefir because I wore my." Palestinian scarf that's called a kafir, you know, directing Supergirl, an American pop culture legend. And uh, then he said, this is pop culture history in the making. And mm. so I hadn't realized until he retweeted that, 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 um, you know, did, did, uh, this was the significance of the moment. Like sometimes you just forget that you are representing beyond your own little person you know but that god that tweet got so many retweets because <laughs> it meant a lot you know i mean the, the problem of arabs is they're always terrorists now on on tv and so it means a lot for you know the, for us to be seen in a way that we genuinely not represented in stories right now so it meant a lot for a lot of like young arab kids for example to see somebody do well you know and in a world that has nothing to do with any kind of insanity terror isis terrorism you know oil politics you know and that's yeah. really great to hear and i think for these characters, these comic book characters, they're so universal and everybody can grab hold of them. And so it's great to hear that you have that connection with Supergirl. Exactly. I mean, to me, it became then actually so much bigger. The fact that it's called Truth, Justice, and the American Way, I think everybody has a little bit of a smile about that going on right now. (laughs) Anything else? I guess that's all my questions. Yeah, no, that and that was a great one too cuz uh I think, you know, and and also it's it's like yes, it's it's kind of funny in a, in an ironic way, but also, you know, the American way means different things to different people. Um and, and the American was supposed to be always a multicultural thing. That's what yeah. America stood for. It suddenly exactly. became a whole different thing. And I think that's what everybody's getting a kick out of. Like, you know, what my friend Saladin retweeted, I'm going to try to find a tweet for you guys, because what was interesting about that is that that was actually the original way of the ideal for America. The fact mm-hmm. that it's now becoming such a, you know, some of the candidates of the things they say, you know, so exclusive. And so like, it's not, it's not what a melting pot should sound like, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what's so interesting about the fact that uh, the musical Hamilton that's on Broadway right now has become so popular um, because it's reframing the founding fathers of the United States as an immigrant experience. Because it's a, you know, talking about the fact that Alexander Hamilton, uh, one of the founding fathers, was an immigrant from the Caribbean and came here and defined our our treasury system. And, you know, the, the entire cast of that musical is uh, multicultural and, you know, it's become one of the most popular things in the country right now because we're remembering, hey, the United States was founded 
in part by immigrants. Um, and it, it's a, it was a revolutionary experiment um, that we seem to have reframed as this white bread thing that it never was. Exactly. Exactly. I got to go see Hamilton. I mean, you're like <laughs> the third person who talks to me about that. <laughs> yeah. I, have that. I haven't act- seen it yet. The the um the soundtrack is on Spotify and and iTunes and whatnot uh you know but um I haven't seen it yet either but that's how how big it is that I'm in Los Angeles I I come from New York but I'm I live in Los Angeles now and it's not even here yet and people quote lyrics like that's how big it is and the funny thing to bring around back to Supergirl is that Supergirl actually referenced uh, getting Hamilton tickets Hamilton tickets yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. There may be even another reference. Who knows? We never know. There may be another reference coming up. Oh. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll see. <laughs> well, I think that that is uh, that's all I've got, uh, Rebecca. Okay, you're, well, it was lovely talking to you, and I'm gonna yeah. find you on uh, on Twitter as soon as you send me your handles, and um, we can do this anytime again. Probably best if I'm involved again in Supergirl, but even not, um, please reach out anytime. Oh, that would be great. It was great to have you on, and thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. Thank, thank you for having a Supergirl podcast. Oh. You know, <laughs> we we like we Try. like do, we like doing it, and it's it's been fun to connect with all the other Supergirl fans who are excited about the show. Yay! Well, that was our interview with Lexi Alexander. Um, wasn't she great, everybody? I mean, she's kind of awesome sauce, I gotta say. <laughs> um, now, be sure, everybody, I mean, I'm everybody listening to this, I'm sure, was already planning on watching, but uh, make sure to tune in to her episode of Supergirl that airs next week, February 22nd. And, um, yeah, I can't wait. Be sure to follow her on Twitter and let her know what you thought of the episode. And if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so definitely check out our playlist and add to it if you think there are any songs missing. And we are available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And uh, thank you so much to Jen from LINY and DCM2002 uh, for leaving us reviews on iTunes. We appreciate it, y'all. That's awesome. And we are a part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and even the upcoming DC movies... Subscribe to our DCTV Podcast mega feed and follow at DCTV Podcast on Twitter and like DCTV Podcast on Facebook. Uh, and as for me, you can always find me uh, every day at The Mary Sue. That's TheMarySue.com. Uh, you can find me at my website, TeresaGesino.com. And um, you can also find uh, one of my projects, which I'm very, very proud of. Um, it is called Incredible Girl. It's a digital series that I'm working on producing that I've written as well. Uh, and you can check out information on that at IGseries.com. I think that's amazing. I like it when people are like, you know what? I'm going to put some content out there and they go and do it. So I, <laughs> so we're trying. We're trying. I think that's awesome. So people should check it out. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Derby Kid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And if you want to watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel, you can go to YouTube.com slash Duck Milk Prod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. 
See, you know about creating content. You're doing it all the dang time. You know, it's 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 a camaraderie of of people who create content. So I, <laughs> I, I think it's a I think it's an awesome thing that we, can, we if you want to put content out there, you can do it. So I think it's awesome. Seriously, it's the wonders of the internet, um, like this podcast. Uh, <laughs> and uh, until next time, I'm still Teresa Jacino, and I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And join us next time on Supergirl Radio. 